0: Hi there, my name is Yoon Lee and I'm Ray Parnell and we're the curators of Bar Talk. So Bar Talk is a lecture performance and storytelling series that usually takes place in different bars in the Hague. Each event has a different theme where we feature four different perspectives to speak. We also have a Q&A session from our audience. This is technically the 19th edition of Bar Talk, but since we can't have
1: a physical edition because of Corona times, we are now recording a podcast series. Speakers will give their talks and then we'll ask some questions ourselves and from our audience.
0: The theme of this series is language as an organism. Last week, we spoke with an artist about her work around the loss of her mother tongue, which is also a dying language.
1: This week, we'll be speaking with Marieke De Koning, a linguist who happens to be our Dutch teacher. We'll be chatting with her about her love of languages, Harry Potter, and she'll be answering all of our linguistic questions.
0: Marika de Koning is a teacher, trainer, and idealist. Apart from teaching Dutch, she teaches young people about ethics, diversity, and citizenship. Her main interests are feminist literature, windsurfing, and Dutch storms, and trying to find out how her synth works. As a teacher, her main goal is to help her students gain confidence and to use their brains to think for themselves, which is illustrated by her favorite question, why? So stick around, stick with us, grab a beer, and enjoy this bar talk. So, uh, Marika, you are our Dutch teacher teaching us so much. Um, And we also know that you love languages. So our first question was really, how did you begin to fall in love with learning languages?
2: Oh, wow. (laughs) Starting Um, deep. (laughs) Yeah, very deep. Well, I guess I didn't really fell in love with learning language as a language per se, but more the the system and the structure of language that struck me as something really, really interesting. I remember that when I was in high school, I really loved the subject of Latin. So I decided to go and study that, which was a very big mistake. But um, what I did find out in the four weeks that I actually studied Latin was that there was this very, very interesting subject called linguistics, and I had never heard of it before. And uh, which is the study of studying languages and the system of languages. And that is where it really started for me, um, this whole path of finding out how language works, how communication works, what a discourse is, and also learning other languages to find out what words they use and how that changes a lot of things. When you look, for example, at the world, world and you have another language to describe it,
0: Yeah, we've heard that repeated a couple times, actually, with our last few guests. Another question that we had was, if you have advice for first-time language learners...
2: Um, Yeah, well, you know my advice, because I already gave it to you. (laughs) For our our listeners, yeah. (laughs) For your listeners, well, uh, the advice that I already gave you, and ray is um, to go and, and look at your bookcase and see what books there are that you really, really love. Maybe books that you have read five times, ten times, and know by heart, and go and look for that book in the language that you want to learn. Uh, start a course and, and start building your vocabulary through simpler things but then when you really really want to dive into this language then read the book that you know very well and go and read it in this new language for me that really helped with English but also with Spanish and for me the book was of course Harry Potter
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah what have you learned from teaching your own mother tongue do you find a new appreciation for it or do you notice some weird things about it as you're teaching it
2: Oh, so many. (laughs) There's so many weird things about Dutch. It's really not a simple language. It's really quite a complex language um, because every time that I am looking for a way to explain a certain part of the grammar, there's so many exceptions that you find. And uh, to keep it simple is always a struggle. But what I found out, what I like the most um, when teaching is to find these little tricks uh, for how to remember stuff. So I really like etymology, how words come to be. And if you look closely at a lot of words and you, you understand what they're made up of and you understand how they work uh, to form a meaning, then it gives you some grip to understand the language better. And for me, teaching, of course, when I have to look at these things, I also understand my own language better. And I look very differently at the words that I've been using for 30 years. So that is really interesting. Um, I remember that you asked me once if pruttelen was an onomatopoeia Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know. <laughs> so I had to look it up. And, and uh, I have this very old little a dictionary for etymological stuff. And I, I found it and said it, it was half of an uh but also from uh, another word that means bubbling. So it was Perfect. really interesting for me to very find out. S- yeah. Very <laughs> fitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, actually, I wanted to go back uh, to Harry Potter. I'm I'm really, really curious. What are the differences that you found in the different translations of the book? And um, how has it, I don't know, formed your... your your understanding of the story or, or something
2: oh i don't know if i can answer this question because the last 10 years i've read it in english and the dutch ones have been so long ago that I, I i i mean i i really really try to read books that are written in english in english because i don't know if your listeners know it but english has like three times more words than dutch does so it has so many more opportunities to give nuance to sentences and to meaning. Well, not necessarily more like hierarchically, but in in, in words, mm-hmm. you know, we, if we want to form a nuance, we have to use many more words to, uh, to do the same. Whereas in English, you would just have one word that says it all. Um, gotcha. but I mean, in, yeah. in Spanish, I mean, I think to really see something else in the story, it, you see it then just very simply because language is harder for me to read so that is just you look at the story more
1: um the plot it's harder to read spanish
2: yeah because my knowledge of spanish is less than my knowledge of english so i would read it for the plot more or less and in english i can find you know all the different meanings that jk rowling put in it all the references to biblical stories and to um the battle between good and evil and second Mm-mm. world war there is so much that she put into it that i, I can do this literary al- analysis far better in english than than in spanish
1: <laughs> gotcha <laughs> gotcha
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay so another question in the netherlands uh because this is a podcast about language and we're, we're kind of curious about what associations do people have with different accents but so let's focus on Dutch accents, and also you know between dialects. What kind of associations do people have with different regional accents?
2: Um, well, this is also a hard question for me because I'm I'm not really sure what the main associations are. But I know that people get discriminated a lot based on their accents and based on the dialects that they speak. Um, so most people that are from a different region of the country and go and study in a big city, they they will really change the way they pronounce their words, and you can really hear that change. For example, I lived in the north of Holland. I'm from Friesland, and I never really had the accent there, which is why I was teased more or less in school when I was younger, but when I arrived in Amsterdam where I live now, Mm. uh, well, it wasn't that big of a difference, but my youngest sister really had the northern accent, and now that she lives in Amsterdam, I... I heard her speak last week and I thought, wow, it's completely gone. You mm-hmm. you cannot hear anymore that you're from this area. So I think she changed it, not knowingly, but um, just because of the environment that you're in. And I see that happening a lot with you know, friends that come from different parts. Um, I think there is a certain thought that when you have an accent or when you speak in dialect that you are... Not as sophisticated or not as smart Mm -hmm. um, as people who have, you know, a standard Dutch accent. When Dutch people talk about the Flemish accent, they always say it's really cute. Mm -hmm. But that's also a bit diminishing, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't really take it seriously. Whereas, of course, it's like a whole region that speaks this way. Uh, And even in Flemish, you have a lot of different accents. Uh, For example, the West Flemish. I can understand maybe two words in every sentence. It's okay. very hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like they swallow every sound. So it's very, very hard to, uh, to listen to. What is so cool in, in the Netherlands is that it's such a small country with not so many people. and
1: Absolutely.
2: We have two languages, or maybe three if you count Limburgs. And even within those very small regions, like Frisland has 600,000 inhabitants, and even within this small area of people speaking a different language, version there's many, many accents and dialects within this language. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot of research done into this, which is very funny. I know of one that, that is it's, it's supposedly females in the uh, North Holland who have a different uh, vowel use than... Uh, you know the standard accent but it's only the females (laughs) very interesting (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i'm I'm often just in awe of this fact that this is such a small country but there are just so many variations um Mm -hmm. in the way people speak even just uh you know when talking to someone in Rotterdam and they say that they can't understand like you know like um like really <laughs> yeah. hague accent i'm just like wow we're only 30 minutes away by train, train yeah that's so wild to me yes yeah <laughs> So uh, we have a question from one of our audiences, um, Luke from Amsterdam, Ooh, cool. is asking, "How do you get rid of gendered language in another language that you're trying to learn when your native language is gendered and it's really hard for you to get rid of this gendering?" Oh
2: wow!
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <not> a question. <laughs> I wish I knew the answer. No,
2: but this is this is one of uh, this is actually one of my. Specialties. So I, I wrote a thesis about, uh, there's this very, very interesting theory in, uh, in linguistics, uh, which in the basis looks very simple, but the consequences are very wide, which says that, okay, the words or the language that you have determines the way you see the world. And so if you, for example, have Dutch and you only have the words to say man and woman, but nothing else, then it determines that you see the world only in these two species, and you cannot really find a way to look at people in a different way because your language determines it. So, and I, I sincerely believe that this theory is very powerful, it's very true, you can see it all around you. And I studied this, comparing it to Foucault's discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, theory of discourse, where you are somehow programmed by a lot of things, amongst which is language and and and, and your view on the world. And when you are learning another language, well, I think first you have to look at your own language before you start uh, looking at another language and and find ways to tackle gender in that language. Because in Dutch, um, even though we don't have uh, gendered adjectives or gendered nouns, like, for example, in a language like Spanish, it is still very hard to escape gender in your language. We have this same thing that is used a lot in English, where you refer to neutral people with he, for example, in academic text, mm. uh, which, of course, leads to... If, if you see that all the time as a kid or as a young person, then you could say, well, it's neutral use, but it is still the male gendered pronoun. So it is not neutral, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And in English, it's far easier to use uh, they, them, um, than it is in Dutch because we have the same word for they as for she. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when you learn another language, I would say, go and, and look for people from that language who are thinking about this, who are aware of the gendered categories in their language and how they come up with, with solutions for that. Um, I know for Swedish, I think they made a new word, hen, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, for a gender neutral uh, pronoun. In Dutch, we still don't really have one, which I'm very sad about. But um.
1: I know some people were trying to use hen mm-hmm. uh, in Dutch, actually. Yeah. I don't think it ever really caught on, though.
0: Yeah. Everyone that I talk no, to is yeah, also I, like, Mm-mm. they don't quite feel the same connection to it.
1: As in, there was a, I, I feel like there was a push to try to adopt hen in Dutch but uh, it never really caught on.
2: Yeah. No, no, it didn't. And um, actually, the the need for this kind of word is still not really felt amongst huge uh, groups of people. So um, there's a lot of attention always in a quite a negative way for gender-neutral things. So even the simple thing like gender-neutral toilets or the HEMA uh, selling kids' right, clothes yeah. without <laughs> putting a label on it. I mean, That's there's so thing, much... Yeah. people falling over this and I'm like come on you can still be a man or a woman if you really want to but please leave the people who don't their space it's creating extra space it's not diminishing space for you but um yeah it's very hard to explain sometimes to people who really feel that something is taken from
0: them yeah people have this connection to language and and who belongs in language and who doesn't which is always very interesting um we have another question from a listener. Okay. This is from Mosa in Stockholm. And Mosa was wondering how does language catch on? So what makes a word or a way of speaking popular or go viral?
1: Wow. <laughs> I know <laughs> no, these are no, all very <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh so i am uh, interdisciplinary trained but i don't know the answer to everything <laughs> uh,
1: What you, basically um so we're not necessarily asking for like an expert look like you don't mm-hmm. have to have written like a thesis on this but just maybe based on your observations, observations yeah. and from your from your angle uh, from your experience <laughs> yeah
2: yeah well, I remember now um, one thing. Um, so I, I sometimes do youth exchanges uh, for Erasmus+. Plus, and one of the last ones, there was this uh, like secret, secret mission uh, game. One of the girls that was there, she had a task to make uh, some phrase or a word and make everyone repeat it. So make sure that everyone used it at the end of the week. Um, so this is actually a very good practical example of how to do it because she did it perfectly. She just very subtly introduced this thing like okay when someone said something very smart she would say ah big brain and then when someone said something not so smart she said "Hmm, small brain (laughs) 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 and and it was i think the thing that made it so successful is that it's funny it's catchy you immediately know what she refers to and it's when with a wink you know it's it's (laughs) <laughs> and there's humor in it and at the end of the week everyone used it i'm not
0: okay, kidding wow, everyone wow.
2: so i think it's simple catchy and and of course repetition
0: mm. <laughs> always repetition repetition but simplicity yeah, yeah. as well <laughs> yeah. and humor i think as well
1: oh, yeah that helps yeah. for
0: sure
1: <laughs> well that's a it's yeah. a good anecdote All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so our very very last question um, do you have any favorite idioms what are your favorite idioms in any language
2: Oh, I have a very bad one in Spanish. <laughs> uh, uh, Perfect. I think, que meta donde le quepa. I'm not sure if I do the tenses right, but whatever. It's been a long time. And it means stick it where it fits.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so That's great. I, I
2: really like that one also because in Spanish it just sounds, you know, yeah, <laughs> it, just, it just sounds nice. Sorry for the Spanish people who are listening that I'm not using the indefinido or whatever correctly, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, uh, and in let me see in Dutch. I use a lot of idioms that derive from um, from the times when the Dutch were sailing, and I'm not proud of this era. But there is a lot in language uh, that derives from it. So there's one that says, exit for the mast. And I use this all the time because i learned it from home. So it literally means I'm sitting in front of the mast. It comes from a time when behind the mast, so at the hind deck of the ship, the food was served. If you'd had enough to eat, you would go to the front uh, to drink some rum or play some games. And that meant that you were full, that you had enough. So um, in my family, we say it, uh, you know, do you want some more from the dinner? Do you want some more? Do you want some dessert? No, 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 exit for the mast, I've had enough.
1: Okay, wow, yeah. Uh, as an outsider, it sounds so, like, indirect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I like this nautical references in, <laughs> in the idioms. Uh, also, because you already said it, I'm, yeah, I'm a windsurfer. Wind yeah. I come from a, sa- a sailing family. So, uh, the nautical references and the weather. Um, I, I like the one, that is the one in English that says, um, uh, red in the night, sailor's delight. So, if the sky turns red in the evening, which is also beautiful. You know that the next day will be a beautiful day. And red in the morning, sailors warning. So if it's red in the morning, you can expect some bad weather.
0: I have never heard this. No, smile. Ray and I are looking at each other completely <laughs> perplexed right now. We're like <laughs> we're just like what
1: <laughs> Well now you learn too for your yeah, for definitely <laughs> Yeah, these nautical. Uh, I have
0: never heard that
1: word. Well. <laughs> but nice. Yeah, nice. I'm gonna
0: do some research about that. Now. <laughs> cool.
1: um, the the Spanish one that you you mentioned reminds me of one of my favorite Dutch phrases. I can't even remember it in Dutch, um, but it's because because when I learned it, I I didn't understand. Um, but it's maybe like, I can help you. Yeah, like uh, like fucking an ant.
0: Oh, yeah, an ant fucker.
2: Ah, Mierenöke. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, okay, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, I
1: love this one. Yeah, yeah that it one. Is. It's just like- I love it. it yeah. paints a picture that is so clear. And yeah. it's just like, wow. Oh, yeah. Can you explain yeah. this uh, to our listeners, please? And yeah of course yes <laughs> if
2: you say that someone does this so uh, you bent a mireneuker you're an antfucker of or um uh you bent an mireneuker you are antfucking it means you're really focusing far too much on the details and it doesn't really matter <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a great way to say it honestly <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, All yeah
2: right. this, is a, this is a very good one i agree <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, um, that about wraps up our time because we have to go to our next guest. But um, yeah, thank you so much for your okay. time. Um, we'll uh, You're see welcome. you next Monday you. in our and, Dutch and thank class. you also <laughs> for
0: doing it uh, very impromptu. You gave really great answers. Definitely, <laughs> it was <Yes>. awesome.
2: <laughs> no problem. I had no time to be nervous. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, and uh, have a great day. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <Bye-bye>. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks again for listening. I'm Yoon Lee. And I'm Ray Parnell. If you like what you heard, be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe wherever
0: you listen to your podcasts. Tune into our next episode where we'll be speaking with Min Su Kang about a story of how the small Indonesian Tiatia tribe picked up Hangul, the Korean alphabet, to preserve their language. We want to thank our producer Hans Bull,
1: PR person Nia Konstantinova, designer Denise Lee, to III
0: for allowing us to use your sound studio, to Strom Denhag for supporting our program, and last but not least, to all of you listeners out there tuning in with or without a bar.
1: Thanks again, and see you next week.